Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents Ex Nihilo with Father Martin Wen and Steve Bucklin, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Well, here we are again for Welcome another back. podcast. Yes, another week, another edition of Ex Nihilo. Which I am is... your co-host, Steve Buckland. And Father Martin, your host here. The star, the star of the podcast. The star, what can I say? I Father am Martin, a diva. He's so shiny. <laughs> well, folks, just so you know, Father Martin has just found a new obsession because Steve gave him... Give me oh, that's right, a, a Fitbit, a, a Fitbit on Sunday, and my obsession these past few days has been trying to get to eight thousand steps. Wow, you know you have to like get out of your chair to do that. <laughs> no one, no, t- I tell you what though, <laughs> you're I got spoofing it, you're just swinging it in the air. I got out of bed and somehow I've made thirty steps already. So either this thing is defective or I sleepwalk. Um, or you just it's, take a lot of little steps. You really don't realize how many steps you're taking, but while sleeping? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, <clears> I've <throat> taken over a hundred steps at night before. Okay. This yeah. Is yeah. It's your motion in bed, so yeah. you must be a very restless sleeper. You must not. <laughs> not as restless as I am. Not not as restless <laughs> as you, we cat. Well, so you're we 19. Cats. You are restless. That's right. I take zero steps. I'm like out log <laughs> dead wood. So, well, anyway, well we. So are you enjoying it? What's, we, your, what's your heart rate right now? Come on, tell everybody what's your what's your. Let's heart see rate. how stressed out he is. Seventy eight. Oh. That's not bad. It was ninety earlier when he walked in from the parking lot. So. Well, that was a lot of <laughs> physical exertion. That was like thirty steps. <laughs> but in any event, I, I just feel like singing the song "I'm on a Highway to Hell" just for this podcast. Whoa! Hey now, because Do you know the band who sang that song? No. <laughs> oh come on, We Cat, help them out. ACDC, right? But they don't officially sponsor us because that. Okay, know. well, because I think it's kind of appropriate for the topic we're talking about. Today. It is and it isn't. Uh, so we have a kind of an interesting topic today's topic. We're going to be talking about the sword or the sword of Saint Michael. Ah. Ah. Now, in order to understand a little bit more about the sword of St. Michael, we need to understand a little bit more about St. Michael himself, the archangel. So what do we know about St. Michael? Tell me, tell me about this St. Michael. What do you know of him? Well, St. Michael is one of the three known archangels right. mentioned, and his name came up several times in the Bibles, in the book of Daniel, and in the book of Revelation. And often Michael is mentioned in the context of a battle, a battle with the evil one, with the devil. And uh, I I guess it it came from sort of like a a Catholic traditional uh, fable where, you know, the the rebel of Satan and he said that he he doesn't want to serve God. And St. Michael stood up in the divine assembly and said, who is like God, which is Basically, that is his name, Mikael, mm-hmm. who he is was like, like God. God, right? And so, when Saint Michael cast mm-hmm. out Satan from heaven, that is the one question. His name is an a-, a question itself: Who is like God? Uh, Michael's purpose of existence, I suppose, is to ensure that g- uh, God's supremacy is always there and respected. Excellent. Very, very nice. Very nicely done. So, yep, that is true. So, Michael, for all the scripture buffs, the people who would uh, email in, all three of you, uh, <laughs> there is actually four references to St. Michael the Archangel in scripture. Two in Daniel, uh, one in the Epistle of St. Jude, 
uh, one in the apocalypse. So probably the most famous is the apocalypse where it's very, very clear. Um, Michael with his angels fighting the dragon. And St. John speaks of this great conflict at the end of time uh, where the dragon is thrown down Mm -hmm. by the sword of St. Michael comes crashing down. Right. And you can imagine that it must be a pretty big sword. <laughs> in, in some <clears> cases, <throat> he's depicted with a, a lance, yeah. uh, a spear. But when we speak of Michael, we cannot we cannot not speak about his uh, his opponent. Right, right. Uh, the so devil we, himself. Exactly. And Michael, so tradition tells us, um, and believe me, there have been many, many wise theologians over the years that have put an immense amount of thought uh, behind not only the nature of angels, spiritual beings, mm-hmm. but also the nature of the entity or the persons against whom Michael <clears throat> quarreled with right. fought, which is namely Satan. Um, but traditionally, four offices are assigned to St. Michael. One is uh, to fight against Satan. Two, to rescue the souls of the faithful from the power of the enemy, especially at the hour of death. Uh, three, to be the champion of God's people, the Jews in the old law, the Christians in the New Testament. The patron of the church orders the knights of the Middle Ages and to call away from earth and bring men's souls to judgment. Ah, yeah. the last one I did not know. Yep. That's kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. So um, so kind of four prime offices, and but as it pertains to the sword and the battle of, of Michael against Satan, um, the legend has it uh, that the blow, where the blow of the sword struck, uh, fell upon the earth right? ah. in such a long line. And coincidentally or not coincidentally, along this particular line uh, are where you find the primary churches dedicated to St. Michael the Archangel. Did you that, know that is a very fascinating fact. I did not know it. Yep. I, I meant to go Google it when you mentioned it last week. Yep. It's, it is, in fact, the line really, it runs all the way from just off the Irish coast all the way down into the Holy Land, into mm-hmm. Israel itself. And all of these seven sanctuaries are linked in, a, in an exact straight line from one end to the other. They were that... all built at different times, um, all dedicated to St. Michael. Um, and the interesting thing about it is if you're standing at the northernmost sanctuary on the summer solstice, which is June 21st, which would have been a couple weeks ago, all right? At the sunset of the summer solstice, the sun sets directly over each of the sanctuaries. <gasps> Conspiracies. <clears throat> Conspiracies. Or is it a legend or is there something more? So where does it start? Now, you're a Star Wars fan. Not really, but... Oh, I just, I just offended what? the two out of the three listeners that we have. Seriously. <laughs> did, did you see the new Star Wars movie? That came? I sure Not did. Rogue One, but the one with I Luke sure did. It. Right. Now, I was very impressed. It was exciting. It was largely a retail of the first one, but with new people, which is nice, except for the end. Right? Okay. Well, so remember on. the end? Where did it end? Uh, when we that, can't help him out. Where did the... When that, that girl end? thingy went to, girl to, thingy. to, to girl look for the Jedi? On, right. a, on an no. island. It right. ended on an island. You remember the island? Yeah, it's an island. It's not just an <laughs> island. It's a real place. Oh, my gosh. How would I know? It doesn't house the first Jedi Temple, however. It houses uh, a, a shrine to St. Michael. Really? Yeah, so the rock is actually called Skellig Michael, and it's just off the Irish coast. Um, and it was founded around 600, and it was occupied as a monastery for six, almost 650 years. Wow. And it was only abandoned in 1350 uh, because of changing, because of climate change. So it was, it's true. Yeah, it was true because uh, the earth at that time was undergoing 
um, uh, a cooling period. And so it was getting colder and colder, and the shipping lanes were actually freezing at that time. So the monks who lived on the island couldn't get any food. So eventually they're like, well, we can't grow any food here. We can't get to the other side to get food. So they had to abandon the monastery. And you can still go there. So they actually you offer wonder why tours. Steve know this kind of stuff, but it's it is fascinating. <laughs> it's totally fascinating. So so you're at and you can go to Skellig Michael uh, during the summer months. So you take a boat out there, mm-hmm. um, and it looks exactly like you you see in the Star Wars movie. And I guess you're going to see more of it in the next movie that comes out in December, episode oh. eight. So episode eight, not That's to plug awesome. Star Wars. But. <laughs> What? I can't remember what Why it's called. Didn't they have a name for it? The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. The, Last, the Jedi. Last Jedi. So you're going to see a lot more of Skellig Michael come December if you go see Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So as I head in a southeasterly direction from Skellig Michael, I'm going to run across the next one called St. Michael's Mount, which is in, uh, which is actually in the in the English Channel. It's off of Cornwall. Um, it, it's one of those famous ones because it's a nice, beautiful sanctuary. The tide goes out, and you can walk over to it, and then the tide comes in, and it's surrounded by water. Now, a lot of people get St. Michael's Mount confused with the third church in the line, which is Mont St. Michel, which is far more famous. It's off the coast of Normandy, and that's the one you see all the pictures. So if you see it, they do posters of it where the haze comes in, and it also is tidal. So you can drive out to Mont St. Michel when mm-hmm. the tide is down, and then uh, the bridge actually gets totally covered. It's like an eight, eight or nine-foot tide. Um, anyway, the cool thing about all of these monasteries is while Skellig Michael was founded at 600, the abbey in Cornwall was founded about 300 years after that. Mont mm-hmm. St. Michel was uh, founded in 709 when Ar- the archangel Michael appeared to St. Albert and urged him to build a church on that rock. So all, so they weren't. there's no real coordination. These are all happening at different points in time. Then if we continue heading in a southeasterly direction, you come to Where? Sacre de Saint Michel. About Another thousand, one in France? Uh, nope. A thousand kilometers away, this one is in northern Italy, hmm. right at the edge of the Alps. Um, and so it's in it's in the same line. Uh, another monastery dedicated to the Archangel Michael. It began around the year 1000, so 300 years after Mont St. Michel. Um, and there's a, actually a hotel in there you can stay. So if you want to go stay. Is it's the church beautiful. still open? The church is still open. It's still functioning. Benedictine monks are there, so you just... Pop in and see the Benedictines. And then continuing down another uh, couple hundred kilometers uh, in a straight line, you reach Puglia, or Puglia, P-U-G-L-A. I don't know, not very good with Italian. I know pizza, spaghetti, lasagna, <laughs> that's about it. Um, we're an inaccessible cavern. It's become a sacred place. A sanctuary of St. Michael goes back to the year 490 when St. Michael appeared to St. Lorenzo Majorano. So, again, a little bit earlier in time than the first ones. And then we keep cruising along, and then the line is going to stop at Simi's Monastery, also in Italy, where the Archangel's footprints reach in the 6th century. This is, I'm sorry, not in Italy, in Greece. Um, that monastery has one of the largest statues of Michael uh, in the world. It's three meters high, which is pretty big, actually. Three meters would be about, what? Nine, nine foot. Nine feet. Well, yeah. more than nine feet. Yeah. And then we end at <clears throat> Mount Carmel Monastery. In Jerusalem, in the Holy Land. Oh. Fascinating, isn't it? It's absolutely fascinating. So all of these, and all built in different times, over about a thousand-year period, mm-hmm. all in a direct line, uh, following the summer solstice. It's crazy. But and and you wonder why there's such a big cult, big devotion to St. Michael. Mm-hmm. It is because of the battle with the evil one, Israel. Israel in every single person's life. 
and uh, I mean when I was little whenever we uh, we encountered something difficult my grandmother always said you know pray to us a prayer to St. Michael protection protection and, protection. and growing up we um, in different churches whenever there's like ghost stories or uh, there's some superstitious stories about uh, uh, possessions and stuff like that they always place a statue of St. Michael in that church and all all is well well it's always I mean I think that with St. Michael everyone can kind of relate to that struggle mm-hmm. with the devil because the devil's real I mean you don't just have to look at scripture I mean it, it, there when when things are going well and you're getting holier in your life, invariably that's when the devil comes knocking the loudest. Right. Um, and and the, the worst thing that he can possibly do to us is to convince us to believe that he's not real. Yeah. Because an unknown enemy is so much worse than someone who's known. So recognizing that the, the, the presence of the devil is real, then we can simply submit ourselves to the protection of God in this sense, you know, under the protection of St. Michael as well. Uh, but when we are no longer believing in the presence of the evil one, then we can justify anything and blaming it on, uh, you know, human tendency, on the psyche and craziness oh, as human being we can make excuse for everything right and and the devil i mean when you think back even to genesis so the the serpent right is the tempter the tempter. satan is the tempter the tempter to turn away from god mm-hmm. it is the it's and satan can never actually make you do anything he can just influence you to make your own decision because the god-given gift the heavenly gift the of free will is something that even Satan can't overpower. Correct. He can just convince you to make make a bad call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's comforting at all, but <laughs> it's all in your hands, folks. It, it plays a lot of Michael. It plays a lot of responsibility on on our end because we are accountable for the choices that we make. But it does not take away the uh, the sinister nature of temptation. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you think about all if it was as simple as simply making a decision, that would be one thing, but of course he the the devil has so many other ways to influence us mm-hmm. through despair, um through lack of hope, uh working to undermine our belief, um working to shake our confidence in God and our confidence in Christ, um just as he did to Jesus. Right. And uh a couple of weeks ago, when uh, in a, one of my homily, I, I spoke about the nature of the, the names, and I said that in biblical time, the name of a person often reflects, you know, the the mission uh, and the, who the, the person is. Let's just say, for example, the name Jesus, God saves, right, and it reflects his nature as the savior of the world. And I want to talk a little bit about the, the name Michael, the name Michael itself. And as I mentioned earlier, it means that it's a question, who Who is is like God? It's a reminder. It's a reminder of the nature of every temptation and every sin that what we're saying to ourselves is that God is not enough and that somehow I am more responsible for my own happiness. Uh, look back at the the, the very first um, temptation when Adam and Eve give into give into um, the temptation of the, the tempter, the devil. Is that you know they simply said that I want to be like God, right? But Michael reminds us that no one 
no one take the primacy of God and at the end of the day evil will always have to submit under his power of course because he is he is the all he is the creator mm-hmm. nothing could have existed without him now weirdly enough though um, my one of my professors used to say uh, that Satan Lucifer by the fact that he is is good interesting you want because because if he if he is not good that means that you know he's not linked his existence to God right because every creature created by God is good right because he is goodness itself so if satan completely devoid of the goodness that came from god mm-hmm. then he would cease to exist i wonder if though if it's not simply more it's not that he's uh devoid of good it's simply that he's turned away from it right so in the creation of the being there was good cre- he was created from good right mm-hmm. but through will has decided to turn away from that mm. just as we do in a sense when we sin so we're all capable we all have an innate sense of goodness we all have innate holy properties about us when we sin mm-hmm. we're turning away from that grace we're turning away from that holiness and it's not that we're no longer good it's just that we're choosing to work in a selfish way against who we are and e- even when when lucifer when satan is doing all these evil things. Uh, probably the most frustrating things for him is that even when he tried to sow deception and evil, somehow God can always bring the good out of uh, of his action, of his deception. Because uh, use the example of the first fall again. Without that fall, right. like uh, the exalted says, the happy fault of Adam. Yeah. Without the fall, there would not be a need for a savior. God would not enter into the world. So even when the devil tried to cause uh, evil things and bad things to happen, God ultimately can bring out the good. That's right. Absolutely. I mean, even think about it in the context of the church. So through the Savior and and through Christ, his church, Mm -hmm. through the sins that we commit every day, right, the mechanism for our salvation is always here in the church. So. It's not the evil that undoes us if we choose to come back to the light. Correct. Correct. Crazy. Crazy. So, so the devil's real, folks. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta keep your eyes open. It's not a concept. I know you may have heard in the media recently people talking about, yep, the church invented uh, the devil. That he's just a concept. Uh, that he, we had to give some name for evil. Um, that's not true. I don't. I don't know. I. I, I mean, um, when you see <laughs> actions of people, uh, a lot of the consequences that caused by uh, evil. I mean, how can we say that he's not real? Right. How can we? It's in sometimes some of the despicable uh, bad things that happen all around us. It show the face of evil, and there has to be someone responsible for that. Exactly. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of names that was given to the devil, you know, the father of lies, the prince of darkness, uh, the, the deceived one, the evil one, the tempter, whatever it is. His Lucifer. Lucifer. Satan. Sa- yeah. Beelzebub. <laughs> Just to name a few. There, there are a lot of names that are attributed to the evil one, but his, his purpose is trying to take us away from the eternal happiness that was promised to us. Why? Because... 
he cannot stand the fact that he cannot reach that level of happiness where he was and he'd lost it and of course just that's the nature of sin envy and right. he hates the fact that god promised heaven to us broken and small and weak human beings and so he's going to do everything in his power to prevent us from getting to where we're supposed to right but like the topic we're choosing today god sends an advocate God sends helpers, right. and St. Michael is a powerful intercessor. Uh, back in the good old days, uh, after Mass, after Mass, they always pray in the churches, they always pray the prayer to St. Michael, yep. asking for his protection, asking for his intercession. Um, so that's, that's something that I, I like to recommend our listener. Absolutely. When, when we're tempted, when we're facing with... Uh, with the face of evil it's always helpful to call out to saint michael the archangel the protector and uh he beat him once he can do it again that's that's it (laughs) that is it and that's the interesting thing about things like the sword you know whether or not you know these these uh you know monasteries were all built through some random act and they just happened to end up in this particular line or if you know, everyone just decided they wanted to be in a particular spot. You know, who knows? <laughs> but but the point of it all, um, and I think as Catholics, you know, as you learn more and more kind of these strange and interesting and, you know, small nuggets about your faith, uh, it's that, if nothing else, you see the dedication. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that this isn't a new concept. Right. You see that through time, um, St. Michael has been a real part of Christian life. And a real part, even and before Christians, a real part of Hebrew life, um, going back thousands of years. So this mm-hmm. isn't something new. This isn't something made up, you know, in the last century or two. Uh, that the struggle against good and evil has been real. And and if anything, you can take away from this podcast is that yes, the devil is real. Yes, that he is going to try all of his power to deceive and to lead us astray. But there is a power much greater than he is. That's right. Uh, representing in the person of Michael, but above all else, as Michael reminds us, you know, who is like God? God is our protector. God is all-powerful. And ultimately, good will always triumph over evil. Exactly. So, uh, I guess the good news is we've probably given some people some costume ideas for Halloween this fall. Right? <laughs> yeah. We'll you can s- run down to the uh, Halloween store and get your sword of St. Michael. We'll see, we'll see a lot of people looking like that statue at uh, at the shrine, the <laughs> right. humongous, the humongous wings. statue, big wings, flaming sword. Oh yeah. yes, oh yes, folks. So. Well, if if we found you walking down the street in Halloween in the costume of Saint Michael, we will safely assume that you listen to our podcast and hopefully learn a thing or two. Absolutely. All right, Father, I think that wraps us up for uh, for the sword. It was good to be with you guys all this week. We'll be back next week. Well, thanks for listening, and may you have a blessed week. Amen. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented Ex Nihilo with Father Martin Wen and Steve Buckland. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.